we, as you know, we are going, uh, we've taken some time off of the series uh, through Philippians, the High Definition Living series, and I'm doing two uh, little mini-series uh, mini last week and this week on uh, biblical church. And marks of, last week was marks of a biblical church, and this week is actually marks of a contagious church. Um, and this one's going to be a little bit about church growth, but it's actually going to be a little different. So we can talk about church growth and talk about all these strategies on how we're going to build this church and how we need to evangelize more and do this and do that. But, but this is going to be a little deeper, and, and, it's, and it's really about becoming a contagious church. And a contagious as in, you know, people are going to uh, be drawn toward us because of certain things. And so we're going to get uh, deep into um, this, this verses on uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you want to open your Bibles, it'll be 1 through 10. And get ready, because we'll be looking at that in a few minutes. Uh, but this is, uh, this is a good little mini-series to get us on track for um, this, this event today, this uh, meeting that we're going to have this afternoon. Uh, this afternoon's meeting, I hope everybody can make it, I hope everybody's going to be here, but it's a very important meeting because it's, it's not just going to be a little bit of training I'm going to go through. I'm going to talk about some church growth barriers and some things that, what causes us to not grow, and we're also going to look at some solutions um, of, of what, what we could do to help, help grow and help overcome that. But then we're going to get into some vision, and we're going to talk about uh, of what uh, strategy we're going to use, and what strategy, what direction we're going to go as a church. Um, and, and it's going to be based on last week's message. So I'll just give you a heads up. So, uh, so it's a really important meeting for you to go to. We're also going to look at some of the, some of the uh, successes and some of the needs of the church. So I really hope if, uh, that everybody here will be there today. It's an important meeting to be at. So... Um, all right, again, uh, this message is about uh, marks of a contagious church, and, and there's a story about a hunter who was walking through Africa, and he saw this big elephant that was, that was dead laying there, and next to it was a, a, a pygmy, and, and a pygmy is a, a tribal member that, that they have a history of being only about four foot. The, the average pygmy tribal person is only about four foot, uh, I think four foot ten was the average height for a man. That's really small. And so, there, so there's this little pygmy and this huge elephant sitting there. And amazed, the, the hunter looked at this pygmy and said, you know, did you kill this, this elephant? And the pygmy says, yeah. And the hunter asked, well, how can a little guy like you, only five foot or four foot nothing, kill such a huge beast like that? And the pygmy answered, I killed it with my club. And astonished, the hunter said, well, how big's your club? He goes, well, there's about 60 of us. Many of us think of evangelism as, a, as a, a church growth as this big elephant and this huge elephant. And, and you know, as an individual, we, we look at it on our own abilities and our own gifts and our own aptitude for doing evangelism. And it feels like, like we're going to go against this huge elephant with just a little club, a little, uh, a little toothpick. And we feel like this is huge thing. And, and, and it feels like there's, you know, preachers and teachers all around you saying, go kill that elephant. Here's a toothpick. Go kill the elephant. And, and you sit there and you think, well, how am I going to do this? This is, this is a huge task. This is a, a huge order. Can you imagine going up to a, a beast, of, an elephant, of, I don't know how big they are, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 pounds? I have no idea. But you know they're huge. I've seen them at the zoo. They're big, right? And imagine trying to kill one with a toothpick. And going up to it and you start poking and two things are going to happen. They're going to look at you and just kind of like laugh at you and just ignore you. Maybe shoo you away with some water. Or maybe he'll just sit on you. But something's going to happen, but he'll either ignore you or he's going to do something. But we need to take the lesson of this pygmy and, and take a lesson from it that 
evangelism is not a solo event. It's not a, it's not a, a lone task. It's not something that you do as a lone ranger. God never intended for you and I to take this task on alone. Did you know that? Did you know that, like, you know, the Great Commission, that we're called to go out, he's talking to the church? He's not just talking about his disciples and not just talking about it. It's the church as a whole. It's not a Lone Ranger event. The mission of sharing the love of Christ is something that the whole body of Christ and the church do together. On your own, it's a monumental, fearful task. But together, we find courage and giftedness and support and to take down this elephant, this huge task of a changing world, because that's the elephant in the, that we're dealing with, a changing world that's huge. So if you want to be considered, I, I, I hope that in this message, I hope you will consider this, this phrase. I want you to become a contagious Christian. I want you to remember those words, a contagious Christian. Christian. That's going to be a word that I want you to remember uh, when you refer to yourself, but also I want you to think about us as a church, being a contagious church. As we grow and we plan the vision and we talk about those things today at the meeting and also in the message here today, I want you to continue remembering those words. It's, this is one unmistakable truth that we should be aware of. We are more effective together than we are on our own. That's how God made us. He made us to work together. One friendly person alone does not make a friendly church. One evangelistic person alone doesn't make church an evangelistic church. One radical follower of Jesus does not make a contagious church that spreads life-changing infection of Jesus to the world. It's not enough to be a contagious Christian, but we need to be part of a contagious church. And we need to be a contagious church. So what does that look like? What does a growing, contagious church look like? What is, when, when I talk about that, what does that look like? Now, we talked about last week, we talked about being a biblical church, and we went through four models, five actually, uh, five points of Jesus in the, in the center. We talked about disciples, uh, make, uh, worship, fellowship, and evangelism. And those were the five basic premises of last week. But what does it look like in practical application? It looks a lot like what Paul wrote to the, uh, the Thessalonians. And we're going to take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. It'll be up on your screen, um, but also please follow along in your Bibles. Verse 1, uh, Paul, uh, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always thank God for you all, remembering you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and our Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing your election, brothers loved by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with much assurance. You know that uh, you know what kind of men we were among you for your benefits, and you have became imitators of us and, all, and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, and for the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place that your faith in God has gone out. 
Therefore, do not need to say anything. We do not need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. And how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven. From whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Father God, as we open up these words from the, the letter to the Thessalonians, Father God, we, open, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds to your word. We ask the Holy Spirit to be here right now, teaching us, having us learn, uh, correct things in our lives that need correction, and, and encourage those things that need encouragement. Father God, we ask you to help us grow in grace and knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing we need to think about is a, as far as a contagious church is that a contagious church knows its purpose. It knows its purpose. When you, when you have a job and you get into a career, and, and let's say you're a teacher, and you go to school for teaching, and, you, and then you take your tests, you know what to do. You know your purpose. Your purpose is to educate people. As if you're in nursing, like I know some of you are in nursing, you know that your job is to help and take care of people and, and through the medical profession. So you know your purpose. What marks a contagious church is its reason for being. A contagious church knows its purpose in the world and tirelessly works toward that objective. Tirelessly works toward that purpose and that goal. See, we can easily be trapped in this, this ideology of our times when, and think that you know, we should just live long and prosper. Kind of like, like uh, what's his name, from Spock from Star Trek. You know, live long and prosper. And that's what our goal and our purpose in life is. And it's so easy to get into that mindset of our culture today. But, but is that really what we're here for? Is that, is that why we're here? Are we here to make the most out of an unjust life until Jesus comes to res rescue us? Is that what our, what our purpose is? No, of course not. Jesus established his, his body, the church, on earth for one obvious purpose, to continue the proclamation of Jesus Christ until he comes back, until he says stop. Bill Hybels, who's a, a preacher of uh, of. A, huge church up in uh, Illinois, in Chicago area, he says this. He says, God wants us to become contagious believers who will first catch his love and then urgently and infectiously offer it to all those who are willing to consider it. This is his primary plan, the one Jesus modeled powerfully to spread God's grace and truth person to person until there's an epidemic of changed lives around the world. I love that phrase. I love that quote. And that appears to be what happened in Thessalonia uh, when, when, uh, when Paul writes this letter. In verse 2, we say, it says, We always thank God for you all, remembering you constantly in our prayers. So he has a, a large affection, uh, affection for them. But in verse 3, it says, We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing your elections, uh, brothers loved by God. In that first uh, part, you notice that he doesn't say that the works produced faith, or, or works producing faith. He says works produced by faith. That is, I wholeheartedly believe that, that what he's talking about in this little phrase is he's talking about sharing the gospel. 
See, they're doing the work that clearly expressed on how the Holy Spirit of God changed their lives. See, they have the Holy Spirit. They, they heard from Paul, and the Holy Spirit was there, and they're so changed and so moved by God in their life that they are sharing that with other people. Paul says to the Galatians that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See, the greatest work of faith is to share God's love with everybody we come in contact with, everybody we could possibly do, and everybody we can encourage. This theme is continued on to the next phrase, your labor prompted by love. The word love suggests that it's an enduring hardship that continues, and it continues through the, the heavy times, the good times. It's an enduring hardship for love's sake. It's no easy thing to love people sometimes. It's, it can be challenging. There's people that, that our personalities clash and it's very difficult to love them. Everybody here can admit that there's somebody that they've met in their life that's had that, we've had that challenge. We walk, we, we, you know, we talked earlier in the series even that sometimes it's just, it's challenging to love unpleasant people. But Jesus modeled that in, in his invitation to Zacchaeus um, to build an unlikely relationship. That labor, or that is our labor and sometimes our hardship. Sometimes we just got to do it anyway and do the best we can. And sometimes it doesn't work out. But at least we give it that effort. For the Thessalonians, it meant loving people who persecuted him. They, they were being persecuted all, all around them. And they, for them, it meant loving those folks that were persecuting him. For us, it may be less painful, but the same in purpose. The last phrase is your endurance inspired by hope supplies the urgency to the purpose of the church in ours. This contagious church at Thessalonians had two letters written to him. Paul wrote two letters to him, and both of these letters had something to do with the coming back of Jesus, the rapture. If you know what the rapture is, that is when Jesus comes back and calls us home. And there's, in both of these letters, G, uh, Paul talks about these things. And for the Thessalonians, there's no time to lose in sharing the gospel. For the Thessalonians, they're hearing about this rapture, and there's no time to waste. They wanted to share with their neighbors. They took it serious. They could endure any hardships for being a Christian if it meant that they could help somebody else know Jesus. The time was short whether uh, Jesus would uh, come or, or some plague would ravage the community. We don't know. Even today, we don't know when Jesus will come. But you know what we do know is we know that life is precious, don't we? We know that tomorrow something bad can happen. We know that uh, I, I've been here only a little over a year now. And, now and, I, and I hear about the deaths that have been going on in this community alone. I hear about them through people or through the news. You know, the, the truck that, that went over, I think, a bridge and killed that 46-year-old man. You, some of you probably know who that is. I, I don't. But there's, there's a, a young girl that committed suicide a while back. I mean, there, we can go on and on. You all know these things because this is a tight-knit community. You know who I'm talking about. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. 
And the, for the Thessalonians, there was a sense of, of urgency. There was a sense of seriousness about it, that Jesus can come back any time, and there could be a plague at any time. So you know what? I'm not going to waste any minute. I'm going to share Jesus with everybody I can. Why in the world do we ever think we have all the time in the world? Where did that ever come from? Because we don't. I'm sure we can all think of somebody who passed away at a young age. I had a friend that I went to high school with at 22 years old was killed in a car accident. I, never, I wasn't saved at that time, but I know he wasn't saved. Breaks my heart. There's people all around us that are dying from drug overdose. We can do, why, why in the world would we ever think that time is not an issue? We don't have all the time in the world. The second aspect of a contagious church is that a contagious church is infected with the gospel. Infected with the gospel. Now, I need to backtrack a little bit on this. Uh, we talked about purpose, and I mentioned the imminent return of Christ. While that is a motivating factor for evangelism, it's not the primary factor. For a church to be a contagious church, there must be a distinguishing mark. There must be something that's different. And that means that the gospel of Jesus Christ must mean everything to us. It must mean everything to us. It should be our consuming passion, Jesus. Paul wrote this to, this, uh, to the Thessalonians in verse 5. He says, For the gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance. See, they were infected with the gospel so deeply that it got under their skin. It was a disease that spread through their whole body, and they didn't want a cure. They were so excited with the gospel of Jesus Christ that they were infectious. A fellow named uh, Grin wrote this. He says, the gospel is not a presentation of an idea, but an operation of a power. When the gospel is preached or spoken... The power of God is at work for the salvation of men, snatching them from the power of destruction and transforming them into a new age of life. When the gospel is shared and spoken and preached, it's not you that's doing the changing. It's not how well you did the gospel presentation. It's not how well you, you how great your words were. When you share the gospel, God is at work in the hearts of men. The power of the gospel is real. It's compelling. It's gripping. And Jesus is no legend or myth. He's real. That's why it's so compelling and it's so divisive. Why he causes such battles in the hearts of men. When you, have, when you share the gospel, one of two things are going to happen. The person's going to grapple with it, and they're going to be challenged by it because the Holy Spirit's showing them that there's a truth in the gospel. The work of the Holy Spirit does that. Or, and when that happens, they'll either come to Christ or they'll full-on reject it. Those are the only two options. A myth cannot prompt the hatred of Hollywood toward Christianity. Jesus lived and died a criminal's death, and he was raised from the dead. These are all real facts, real things that happen. And the power of gospel infuriates and grabs the attention so intensely in our lives, we should want to do something about it. It should just, oh, I just want to share that. I want to preach it. I want to shout it on the rooftops. 
when the Thessalonians believed, it seemed that the power of it in their hearts, you could see it in their hearts, they were changed, they were different. And that's the power of conviction. To be settled in your beliefs that nothing can change or sway you. Somebody comes up to me and argues with me that Jesus didn't live, I will argue until I'm blue in the face because I am convinced of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I will not be swayed by, my, by other people. See, in our culture, we have a thing called religious pluralism. And what religious pluralism says is that all roads lead to the same place. Two religions can lead you to the same place. Have you heard uh, people talk about on TV or different places that, that all paths lead to heaven? That's what religious pluralism is. It's considered more tolerant than, other, than, than, than a more exclusive religion. Religious pluralism accepts multiple paths to God as a possibility. Now, the Barna Group is a, an organization that does studies, like poll studies and things like that. And it's a Christian group, and they do a lot of church polls. And, and they found that, that they've noted that there's a growth in religious pluralism. A lot of people are believing that. And you know what's even sadder is that a lot of these people that believe in religious pluralism claim to be Christian. Christians are sitting there saying that there's multiple paths to heaven. They, they forget about what it means to be a contagious church. That's the difference between a contagious church and in, in in, in other churches. That we are so convinced of the truth of the gospel that it is actually offensive to those who are perishing. They have a, people have a difficult time in this religious pluralism to understand things like John 14, 6, where it says, Jesus says in his own words that, there's, um, that the only way to heaven is through him. Acts 4, 12, which is up on the screen, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men which we must be saved. That is exclusive. So if you're, if you're a Christian who says that all paths lead to heaven, you're ignoring Scripture. A contagious Christian, a contagious church is so infectious and infected and in love with Jesus Christ that people can sense that in you. They can sense that love in you. You don't need to be rude. You don't need to be obnoxious. You don't need to be in, uh, argumentative. Just convicted with the truth of the gospel. And as they meet you and they meet the church, they will come and feel that joy and that love and that excitement in the air. They will ask questions because you're different. They'll say, why is this church so different? Why is this church so, so different than all the others I've been to? And they'll ask questions. There's something about it. I can't put my, my finger on it. And you know what it is? It's being a contagious church. It's loving Jesus that much. How deep is our conviction concerning the gospel? The third contagious church trait is, is the contagious church imitates Jesus. Not only do we want people to sense Jesus in us, but we want them to see Jesus in us. A contagious church is one that imitates Christ. It was a high praise for the Thessalonians when Paul said this in verse 6. says, and you become imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Mechanonia and Achaia. 
They, they became imitators of Paul and his disciples and of Christ. That's an extremely remarkable thing about these Christians is that Paul spent something about, about three weeks with them to start the church, and then he moved on. He only spent three weeks with them, but they got enough from the Holy Spirit and from Paul to imitate them and make a difference in the rest of the world. Whatever Paul showed them about Jesus so impressed them that the, and these people, they, they decided to follow Jesus too and imitate him too. In a short time, they became a model for other churches. Imagine that. Paul spends three weeks with them. They are so transformed that they become a model for other churches to follow. Because of their faith, they suffered ridicule for believing in one God, a poor man that died on a cross. They experienced commercial persecution as businessmen wouldn't work with Christians, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't sell and do business with Christians. They physically suffered because they're they beaten, and some of them even died following Christ. But in the midst of all that they had, they had joy. Now, not happiness. See, happiness is dependent on circumstances. Happiness, uh, the root word is hap, or, or happened, or happenstance. And happiness is all about situations. Uh, when Matt and I get a brand new rod, we're excited. In that moment, we're excited, right? We're, we're, we have happy. And then after about three or four times of using it, that's no longer as exciting as it was a few days ago. But joy is deeper. Joy is deeper than circumstances. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit within you. And that was a model that Christ had become so famous for among the churches. Billy Graham said this. He said, our greatest need today is not more, uh, more Christianity, but more true Christians. The world can argue against Christianity as an institution, but there is no convincing argument against a person who is through the, Holy, uh, the Spirit of God has been made Christ-like. Think about that for a second. See, people can argue about church this, church that, even say, you know, different, uh, different phrases or different things about us. Last week I mentioned one. You know what? Let that go. People are going to say things. Okay? That's the perception. But you know what? There's no argument that when we're contagious for Christ, that we are going to shine through. And when God changes us from the inside out and molds us toward Christ-likeness, there's no argument against that. See, we know that one, no one person can claim to be uh, uh, and imitate Jesus himself as an individual person, but I believe that as a church as a whole, we can. I believe that as we work together and act together and, and uh, follow Jesus together, we can, as a body of Christ, be perfected. And we can fully imitate the person of Christ. See, each of us exemplifies Jesus in different ways, based on our personalities. Our strengths differ. Our lo we love differently. Some of us love by giving. Some of us love by work. Some of us love by, by expression. We love differently. We each attract different people to Christ because of our own unique personalities. And that's why I believe that evangelism is not a solo event. It's a church event. It's a body of Christ event. Some of us pray while some of us verbalize our faith while others still serve quietly. 
And we all have our roles. Together, we imitate Christ. Alone, we are more susceptible to be called hypocrites because none of us can nail down that, that perfection that's in Jesus. But together, we can represent Christ. Number four, a contagious church is an infectious church. If we're going to be a growing church, then we need to be contagious. Now think about that for a minute, about having the flu. When a church, or, or when, when you catch a bug, you know, it zaps your energy, it makes you tired, and you don't feel like eating, you're tired, you're just worn out. And you can see it on the face of the patients when they come in to a doctor's office that something's got a hold of them. You can't hide it. When you're, when you're contagious with the flu, you can't hide it. And these people are contagious, and if you get too close to them, you'll catch what they have. See, the flu is a fast-spreading disease. But in terms of the church, to be contagious, to be infectious, means that people who come in contact with you will not help but being caught up by the same thing. They will not help but get caught up in the same bug that you have. There'll be no question that, that there's some infection going on, and they'll look at us, and they'll see, that must be Jesus. There's something different. That's what's happened in Thessalonica in verse 8. For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only to Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Now this Greek word, this word for rang out or sound out, depending on your translation, is what do we get the English word echo. And we echo the truth. When, what they were doing is they were talking about sounding out. So when they heard the truth of the gospel and they heard what Paul was preaching and teaching and they learned about Jesus, they were echoing it out. They were, they were giving out what they were learning. And what an echo does is an echo repeats the original words, right? You go out into the mountain, you say, ahoy, and, and it's just repeating you, right? And what they're doing is they were repeating and echoing what they were taught by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus, or by Paul. God has put his voice in us to echo his love and his words. Not only that, but the way Paul wrote this word suggests another thing, is that this echo is more like a, a thunder, a sound of thunder. But not one, a thunder that, that passes by, but a thunder that stays. The result is that a church that is, keeps in step with Jesus in imitating him and speaking his love with it will become known everywhere. It's inevitable. People will hear about that church on Riverside, that church called Covington Baptist Church, that church that's doing something different. They'll hear about those things. They'll hear about the love and grace that comes, that's being poured out of here. And they will rejoice because Christ is being preached here. And not about sermons, it's not about the message that I preach, but it's about the life that you give. And the way that you represent Christ. A contagious church will infect its community, community so that the community will be changed by its influence. Jesus calls this being the salt and the light. Think about the change that we can make in this community. So what do we do with this? Being a contagious church, what do we do? So what? So what do we do with this information? What do we do about being a contagious church? Over the past couple weeks, I've talked about being a biblical church. This week, I talked about being a contagious church. And in conjunction with this, we have this vision meeting today. I'm going to teach you some things about church growth and how to overcome some of those things. 
some real issues that, that are barriers, and then we're going to talk about our vision and how we're going to implement these things and how we can, by, by working together, we can become a contagious church. The, the eternal reward, I pray, is that souls are saved, not, not just to fill the pews. I mean, yes, I, I, that's a byproduct of souls saved. But, you know, my number one goal is not to fill the pews. It's to bring people to Christ. And I hope that that's what your goal is. Yes, we talk about church growth, and we talk about numbers, we talk about finances, but you know what more important than anything else is if we're, if we're a contagious church and we're sharing the gospel with as many people as we can, people will come. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Though it starts out tiny, it soon becomes enormous compared to its size. The kingdom of God is never stagnant. It's ever-expanding. We have uh, uh, Fincastle Baptist Church was given a church building a few months back. They're establishing a campus here. I'm happy about that. I'm glad that more souls are going to be saved. Now, I can look at them as competition, but you know what? I don't. I look at them as, you know what? They're sharing the gospel. I had, I've met the pastor there, and he's a gospel-loving, a Jesus-loving man, and he wants to share the gospel, and he's excited to share that gospel here, and so am I. Can you imagine the transition that we can have in this community as we work together, as a, not only as a church, but also other churches? I've already talked to him about participating with things with him. See, there's, the kingdom of God is never stagnant. It's always expanding. Now, the church can either become stagnant or it can participate with what God is doing and continue to grow. It's our choice. There's a lot of options on the table for a church church. But whatever we do, we must know this to be true, that if Christ has truly infected our hearts of this church, we will be contagious Christians. And the people will come to discover that truth. One way or the other, whether mentally, physically, we must make room and embrace them that come. I love this church, and I believe that God has done some wonderful things over this past 12 months, and I really believe that there's some special things that are going to go on and continue on, and I believe that God has put some amazing people here, some people that love each other, that love the community, and love this church. And so I know that we can do immeasurably more than we can imagine through Christ if Christ is the center and we put him first and foremost above all else. I've seen some spiritual growth in this church. I've seen specific people grow spiritually, and I'm proud of them. We have great potential here. We have great potential to be contagious. Let's tackle that elephant together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for, for your love, your, your, your gospel. Thank you for putting the passion in us to share that gospel with other people, and I ask you to have the Holy Spirit continue to work in our lives. Help us be a contagious church. Help us have that, that, that zeal and that, that passionate love for you, and let it be shown to the people around us. Father God, thank you so much for everything. I, I, I'm so grateful for you being in my life and be in the life of this church. And Father God, I ask you to continue to work in everybody's hearers' lives and help them grow that, that infectious love for you. Light the fire in their hearts. 
And Father God, if, if there's people here in this room that maybe have not, uh, either haven't been saved and work in their hearts and have them come to a relationship with you, but if they have been saved and they are a Christian and they've made that decision, but maybe that fire's gone, I ask you to, to light it again. Give us an opportunity to share the gospel this week. In Jesus' name, amen. As we rise for our final...